Okay, we begin today Megillas Esther, Perik Aleph, Pasuk Aleph, Vayehi Bimei Achashrei Rosh, Hu Achashrei Rosh, Hamolech Mehodu Ad Kush. Okay, so it's a fascinating Megillah, Esther. By the way, it is the only Sefer in Tanakh where the shame Hashem doesn't appear. The name of the Kaddish Baruch Hu does not appear. And the reason given by many Mephoshim is because it's Hester Panim, uh, literally turning away of the face. In other words, there are periods where the Kaddish Baruch Hu's presence is not obvious or manifest to B'nai Yisrael, and this is one of them. So the name of a Kaddish Baruch Hu doesn't appear. However, in reality, you cannot read Megillas Esther without seeing the very heavy hand drawing it and making these strange coincidences occur. Um, there is one parish that says there are 105 separate coincidences that occur in Megillas Esther that you'd have to accept. Uh, for example, Mordechai overhears the uh, conspirators, Big Son and Seresh, conspiring against Ahasuerus. Two, that particular night, Ahasuerus cannot sleep, setting the story in motion. In other words, there are 105 of them. You cannot accept the premise that it's Hester Panim, that the Kaddish Baruch Hu is absent from this story. Moreover, it is the only Sefer in Tanakh where... Um, you have a chiv to read it. In other words, it is an absolute obligation to read this sefer. So, um, we begin with first, let's understand why we are reading it now. We remember, of course, that when Koresh, the king of Persia, sends back um, Yitzchak, Isaac, when the king of Babylonia sends, of Horus rather, sends back um, the Jews, he has a vision that he's been commanded by the Kodesh Baruch Hu to build the base Hamikdash. He sends them back, complete with money, with the kalim that Nebuchadnezzar had taken, with donations, with every single bit of encouragement. Unfortunately, one, not many people respond, but two, after about a year, a year and a half, there are those who deliberately set out to upend the plans to build the Beis HaMikdash. One, of course, we see the, um, the Kushim in Bnei, the Kutites. Uh, there are other indigenous people in Canaan that tell the king, these people aren't here to build a temple, they are here to rebel, they are here to build a separate province. And we know, or we will learn, that there are those even within Persia that upend this plan, specifically Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus is one of those who deals with Koresh and tells him, no, these people are conspiring against you. So we see the very nature of Ahasuerus as being fervently anti-Semitic, which as we will see, he is. In any event, this period 
of 17 years with work on the Beis HaMikdash is stopped are the 17 years in which the story of Ahasuerus, Mordechai, Esther, Haman all take place. The period of Megillah's Esther takes place really within nine years. The other point is to stress is Ahasuerus is married to Vashti. Vashti, as you can see, is a very royal yichus. She is the granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar. She is the daughter of Balshatzar. Ahasuerus is a Persian stable boy. Ahasuerus has no yichus. How he got to the kingship, nobody knows. It could be because of wealth that he bought himself, the kingship, or that he may have had some specific talent. But he is no match for Vashti. Vashti thinks of him, and that motivates the dynamic between them, as he's a Persian stable boy. She is the daughter or granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar. So let's begin with that. This is in the days of Ahasuerus. The Gemara tells us, and by the way, there are wonderful Mephorshim in uh, Masech de Megillah that literally give you insights into almost every Pasuk in the Megillah. And what they say, when a Sefer starts with Vayehi, it is trouble. It usually means portentous trouble brewing on the horizon. Vayehi hashoftim, we saw. And there are others. So Vayehi bimeha hashreros connotes trouble. Hu achashreros hamolech mehodu adkush. He is the very same achashreros who rules from hodu, which we interpret as India, kush as Ethiopia, literally the whole known world at the time. Sheva the Esrim Umea Medina, 127 separate provinces. No one to that date, including Sancherev, including Nebuchadnezzar, has ever amassed an uh, empire like 127 provinces. Moreover, the Mephorshim tell us that 127 is no accident in number because what could be more appropriate than Queen Esther ruling over 127 provinces, who is the direct descendant of Sarah Imenu, who lived till 127 years. So he rules over this empire. He rules over it unsteadily. As we're going to see, he has an intense desire to be liked, accepted, approved of. In addition, we're going to see he cannot make a decision without consulting a phalanx of advisors and hangers-on. So by Yomimahim b'shevet ha-melech ha-chashrei rosh al-kisei ma'chusau asher b'shushan ha-bayirah. In those days, he dwelt on his chair in Shushan Habira, his throne. Even in that, there is a story that just reveals the man's impetuosity and insecurity. Why is the capital in Shushan? Never was before. When he becomes king, he wants a throne. Kisei Malchus, like Shlomo. He wants that one, Shlomo. 
Unfortunately, the Medrash tells us Shlomo is guarded by lions. They prevent him from even coming near. And so he goes to craftsmen. And he wants the throne built, a facsimile of Shlomo's throne. The only craftsman that can do it exists in Shushan. He completes the throne and then wants to move it to the capital. They say it can't be done, cannot be moved. And so what he does is move his capital to Shushan. Perfect example of just the man's total insecurity. So, in the third year of his reign, he makes a feast for all his servants. In other words, his goal here is the insecurity that the man has of knowing he's not where he's supposed to be. And he makes a feast for all the people of his empire. The Chol Sarov Avadov, Chael Paras, the soldiers of Persia, Umadai Medea, Hapatumim, the nobles, Vesorei HaMedinos, Lefanov. Each one of the province heads of 127 provinces he brings to Shushan. It is a lavish party. Its intent is none other than to bring them closer to him, to make them like him. And he does it by just a gargantuan display of his wealth. In other words, they will be so bowled over with his wealth that they will have to admire him. And so, Baharoso es Osher Kavo, that's just what it says. He shows them his wealth. The Teferis, the glory of his majesty, Yomim Rabim Shmonim Umeyasyon. This feast for the people outside of his Shushan. These are the province people. 180 days. And when it says, the Mephoshim say, he is showing them the Kalim. He's taking out the kalim that Buchadnezzar brought. We know that Koresh had sent many of the kalim, but there are obviously more. And he is bringing out the kalim. And we're going to see he goes further than that. Continues, And when he, those days are finished, and after that 180-day feast is concluded and they are dispatched home, he makes, and this might be very clever, he makes a feast just for his immediate Shushan populace. From the great to the small, a seven-day feast, in his own courtyard, in the garden. In other words, the thinking there is almost straight out of the Godfather, where you keep your enemies close, you keep your friends even closer. In other words, after dispatching the people of the 127 provinces, he wants his own there, where they feel as they are part of his inner circle. Again, insecurity. And he makes the seven-day party. Chur, 
Tarpas Utechelis. And again, it is just a magnificent display of wealth. Chor, you will notice that Rosh Chor is usually a white, very fine cloth. Why is the letter capitalized Ches? Because Chor stands for eight. What the man has done is taken the eight big day kahuna out of the temple of Nebuchadnezzar, and he has adorned himself with them. How dare he? We know what happened to Belshazzar. We know the miscalculation. He makes the same miscalculation. In other words, the prophecy of Yermiyahu is after 70 years, I'm going to come and take you out of Bavel. When do those 70 years start? Some say it starts from Nebuchadnezzar's ascension to the throne. Some say it's his first invasion. Some say it's taking Yehoiakim. Others say it's the destruction of the temple, which turns out to be the correct amount. And each king miscalculates. They miscalculate when the 70 years end, and he does as well. He's confident they're over. He takes out the um, Kalim. He takes out the Kohanic vestments. So why doesn't he get punished like Belshazzar and the rest of them? Deliberately, because here this has to play out. This plants the seeds of the redemption of B'nai Yisrael, the miracle of Purim. And so for now, he's left alone. But again, the wealth display is magnificent. Again, just to impress them. Chor, Karpas, Techeles, Scarlet, Achuz, Bechavli, Butz, Vargoman, Valgilele, Kesef, adorned with silver, Vamude, Sheish, Mitos, Zahav, golden beds, the Kesef, Al Ritzvah, the floor inlaid with silver, Bahat, Besheish, Vidar, Vesocheres, pillars and columns of marble. Again, to just knock their senses. But in that Feast of Seven, they drink from different goblets of wine. The wine is, of course, of the best. It's the wine of kings. As much as they want, as they can drink. The Hashio Kadas, interestingly, Hashio Kadas Ein Ones. They're free to drink as much as they want, as little as they want, which is a direct contravention of the Persian style. There you were forced to drink. They wanted you drunk. They forced you to drink. If you didn't get drunk, you weren't a true Persian. But here, he's leaving them to their own devices. Because there, the desideratum is what each person wants. He wants to drink, fine. He doesn't want to drink, he doesn't have to. So now, we know that the Jews came to this party. They were invited. Maybe they felt, Medra says Mordechai counseled him against this, but some said that no, they were told, go for the Shalom Malchus, etc. But the question is, so why did the Jews, in fact, suffer for this? Why was there a decree of their death? Because, says the Mephorshim, they enjoyed it. It's one thing they had to go as a civic duty. It's another they went and they jumped in. They leaped in. They loved it. That's why they are punished. And we'll come to that later. Now, Vashti. Look on the dynamic Again, Vashti is royal blood. Achashverosh is a 
Persian stable boy, and she regards him as such. So Vagam Vashti Hamalka Asa Mishya She too makes her own Suda, Beis Hamalchus in her own palace. Ashalamelech Achashverosh that forms Achashverosh. Bayom Ashri in the seventh day of that feast, Betovlev Hamelech behind the king's heart is quite politely he's drunk. Yom Hashri is no accident. The Mephorshim say it's Shabbos. They say that Vashti, who was a classic anti-Semite, would take her Jewish women and make them clean the household on Shabbos without their clothes on, to humiliate them. And so now, Achashreros, by Yom Hashri, it's Shabbos, Mida Keneged Mida. He wants Vashti to appear before him and his courtiers without her clothes on. Mida Keneged Mida. And again, we see he cannot do anything on his own. So Omar Lamahuman, Bizasa, Harbona, Bigsasa, Vagasha, Zeche, Vechirchas, Shivas Hasarisim, his seven advisors, Hamishorsim, Espinea Melech, they wait on the king, hand and foot on Achashreros. And he sends him Lahavi Esvashti Hamalka. How did this happen? It happened because in his drunken braggadocio, he tells the Persians, you think you know women, there is no woman like a Chaldean woman. And I have the most beautiful Chaldean woman ever. And I possess her. Would you like to see her? Mephoshim say, yes, we'd love to, but we'd like to see her without her clothes on. Strange request, but they're probably all in their cups. And so, He comes, he wants to show her beauty. There's no getting away from it. She was a very beautiful woman. Vashti gets this summons and says to herself, she is not responding to this drunken stable boy's whims that she appear without her clothes. She refuses. Asher biyat ha-sorisim, to the hands of the sorisim, v'yiksach ha-melech ma'od This rejection stirs his anger to great heights. V'yomer ha-melech l'chachamim, yodeyo itim. And now he consults the chachamim who know times, shapes of the moon, zmanim, and say the mafarshim, this could very well be the Sanhedrin that he's consulting, and very wisely, they sidestep this issue. Because he does consult every possible range of opinion before he makes any decision. Now, seven other advisors approach him. They are here to advise him. What should they do with Queen Vashti? Remember before it's Vashti Hamalka, now it's Bamalka Vashti. Because she would not do what he requested. By the way, there are Medrashim that say she did not want to appear without her clothes on because she had a sudden attack of saras, of leprosy. Some say she grew a tail. But whatever it is, she's not going. Vayomer memuchan. 
Notice Mamuchan is the last one of the seven advisors mentioned. He, the Medrash says, is Haman. Characteristically, as we'll see, although the last, the lowest rated, he is the first to speak with advice. She cannot do this. It's not affecting the king himself. This has ramifications that go far beyond the king. This does nothing less than affect every man throughout the empire. Um, and so we will stop there before Mamuchan gives his deadly advice. And Mirza Hashem, we will continue tomorrow, 8.45. You will not want to miss this. Adkan.